0: I am back with Katie and Jess to talk all about their birth story. So... If you don't know who Katie and Jess are, that means you didn't listen to the previous episode where we are doing our visibility series. So this is episode two in the visibility series. And in episode one, Jess and Katie walked us through what it was like to do a fertility journey as a same-sex couple, and then some of the politics about having to adopt your own child if you are not the bio parent. So start there. And this week we get into their birth story. It's crazy. And it involves, it's angering. It involves a 13 hour triage stay partitioned by curtains with other parents laboring, like welcome to New York. So let's get to it. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Before we get started, I would love to have you guys in Birth Story Academy. It is premier childbirth education for your hospital birth, no matter what the birth looks like that you're planning. So medicated unmedicated, a wait and see attitude, a belly birth, an induction, there is a module for all of it. And I have a blank name tag at your seat waiting to put your name on it. And the best part about Birth Story Academy is that I get to be your virtual doula. You go into my private Facebook group where I interact with you every single week and cheer you on as you plan and prepare for the birth that you want, no matter what that looks like. So I hope you will go to birthstory.com and enroll in Birth Story Academy today. Hey, Jess. Hey, Katie. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having
1: us
2: back.
0: Yes, so I have a follow up question: Is did you get the um, shirt that says azospermatic?
2: Not yet. It, you know, Christmas is soon; like the holidays are soon, so it's yes. it's a stocking offer, I think. Yes.
0: I was wondering. Um, I was like, when is this going to show up on like Jess's Instagram? You know, it's like <laughs> this is amazing.
2: It'll be, on, it'll be on my bonfire real soon. You'll be able to purchase it real soon.
0: Yes. Well, I hope everyone listened to the first episode with you guys where we really dug into like your fertility journey and kind of like the politics behind being a lesbian couple and like what that means, even in like liberal New York and all the things. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you guys go back and listen to that episode because now we are digging into Jess and Katie's birth story. I'm going to start Jess with you. Okay. In the last episode, you broke my heart when you said, I feel like with Lily's birth, with your first, that you were like, I got thrown into this like quintessential like dad role or whatever of just kind of being, you know, tossed aside. Right. Like, and it was more all about Katie. And so I wanted to start there as we dig into the birth story and how it unfolded. Because I would love, I know we have this new baby Amelia on the way. There's a lot of doulas that listen to the podcast. A lot of people that are pregnant, nurses, OBGYNs, all this kind of thing. But it hurt my heart for the like quintessential dad role too. Like I was like, what are we doing? Not just in heteronormative couples to toss the dad aside, but like in other couples as well like with you and Katie like what could we be doing better to make you feel just as important and special as Katie because it's both of your it's your it's your daughter it's both of your daughters Her- and so, like, what are we doing? What are doulas getting wrong? What are nurses getting wrong? What are OBs getting wrong? Like, what are we doing to put the partner aside and put the mom on a pedestal that's carrying?
2: So, uh, first of all, I will say our doula is she's incredible. That was she has made me feel because I am part of the process. She has included me in every part of the process from the second I met her you know, she's from a doula perspective and she's really my only reference point. Like, obviously I know you, I know Katie, but like, you know, you weren't at our birth and Katie was at our birth, but in a different capacity. So I can't really like speak to that, but from like our doula Liz, you know, she included me a hundred percent. Um, I think it's really more about like the medical care and how they talk to you. You know, if you go to an appointment together, like I go to every single appointment with Katie, you know, not cause I'm a control freak but because I give a shit about my wife and my kids so I want to be there um and they you know they will talk to Katie they'll only talk to Katie you know it's never even if it was like here's how you can help Katie there's none of it it's just directed a hundred percent at Katie you know they even sort of roll their eyes when like we're making the next appointment and we're like talking about our calendars like you know like what do you give a shit about like her calendar like when when are you free you know, not really caring, like, that I'm, I'm looking at my calendar, and I'd like to go too, and then I think just sort of, like, very broad, very, very broad, like, societally, like, you know, we talked about last time, like, a lot of legal stuff, like, that makes people feel like crap, like, that's obviously not for heteronormative couples, but, like, within the queer world, the partner feels like shit, like, if you're the non-bio parent, like, I've talked about this a lot on, on my platform, like, the non-bio parent is made to feel like a non-parent a lot of times. Um, And I don't know that it's anything like that. I can pinpoint to like this specific person in this specific equation should do better. I think it's just overall, like be mindful that there are two parents in the room and with our first baby, our whole world's changed, right? Like, and with our next baby, the whole world will change. What I will say is we have taken different steps this time to uh, just make it a better experience for both of us. So, I mean, we have our same doula who is, you know, she's become a very good friend of ours. I mean, you know, we like hang out socially now she's the best and she knows me. And I, you know, I trust her and like, I've joked, like if she's not at the birth, I'm not showing up. Like she's my partner in crime in this, like we're super, super close and tied at the hip that day, just as much as she and Katie are. And we've switched providers. We have switched providers. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> we're working with midwives and you know, Katie and I differ in like the, the crunchy, natural kind of stuff a lot. And it's not that I'm like so strongly against it. It's more of just like, I don't really care. It's just not something that's like in my purview of things that are important to me, Um, but they are very important to Katie. So when, even when we met our doula, she was like, just, just meet her. I was like, oh, fine. I'll meet her, you know? And I loved her, you know, just come meet the midwives. Fine. I'll, you know, I'll meet the Fine. I'll meet the midwives. Uh, I loved them. You know, it, it was such a different experience. The level of care is so different. You know, they book out a half hour just to start. Like they give you a half hour of their time, no matter what. And there were questions for me. Like I was sitting in the appointment ready to not zone out, but like that's sort of been my go-to speed. It's just like, Oh yeah, I can check my phone. Oh, is that a sonogram? Very cool. Okay, good. I see the baby. Oh, is that the heartbeat? You don't want me to know that's a heartbeat. Like nobody's paying attention to me. Um, not that I need someone to pay attention to me, but it'd be nice to be included. They had like a list of questions for me as well. So it, it actually like kind of caught me off guard. And they're like, okay, Jess, these ones are for you. <laughs> and I was like, what do you need to know about me? <laughs> Why are you talking to me? Um, but I really, I really like that. So, I mean, I think just the the mindfulness of switching providers, and it kind of sucks that it's on the uh, couple or the you know the people that are going to be having the baby in whatever capacity that looks like to fix a broken system. Yeah. Um, you know, draw our line in the sand and say, well, we're working with a different provider. We're going to a different medical office. Um, so you know that that's on us, but in terms of what doctors can do better is just be inclusive, you know, nurses I'm in the room too. I'm in the room too. That's my kid. Um, and fun fact, like I paid for that kid. So, yeah. you know, at least make eye contact with me it would be really nice. You yeah.
0: Know? Oh my gosh. Okay. Those are all really good things. And from the doula's perspective, watching from the outside in, I mean, I kind of see this, it happens to me when I come in sometimes as a doula with a single mom by choice. Right. Sure. And then they're like, oh, like, are you the grandma, sister, wife, like, like, well, I'm the doula. <laughs> but, you know, I love that, you You know, it's like they they're the first thing that they don't, they don't think like I could possibly be this woman's partner, which I think should be their first question. Right. Like if I was a dude doula and that this was a single mom, the First thing they would say when they walked in is like, is this your husband?
2: Also, like, I wonder if it almost started as like an empowerment thing, right? Because like heteronormative couples are out and like the woman is generally the one who's not spoken to, you know, like the man is taking the lead and the man's, you know, making the reservation and like this, these societal norms, right? Like, so I almost wonder if in that, like OBGYN type of care, the focus has been on the like, quote unquote, woman because that was their space. They were the birthing person in that equation. But because of that, they've sort of taken the like joy out of it for the the father role.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I would say that that's probably very true. Because like, I'm going to interview my mom on the podcast coming up on all of her pregnancies mm-hmm. and births. And she was saying like, like her perspective and my dad's perspective is so funny because my mom's like, your dad wasn't there. And my dad's like, they didn't let me be there. Like I was in a chair in the hallway, like treated like trash, you know? And this was 43 years ago, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, I wanted to make sure we at least opened this podcast with this discussion that I think hiring a doula is something that really helps navigate that system like you have with Liz even when Katie interned with me and Katie I know remember we have that big birth preferences intake form Mm -hmm. when I was writing the course for birth story academy the one thing that exploded in that form was the whole partner section Mm -hmm. so now the partners fill out this massive section on like do you have anxiety? Are you afraid of elevators? Do you have diabetes? <laughs> like, what do I need to know about, essentially, what do I need to know about Jess so that Jess has a doula and Katie has a doula when you go into your birthing time? And so. Well,
2: it's, it's the birth process too, right? Like if you, if I'm if we're working together and I have a fear of elevators or I have high anxiety and all of a sudden you can't get me to the third floor of that building guess who's then prolonging labor and nobody even could like a suit, like predict that this could be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like to not know that about the, like both people.
0: Yeah.
2: It's, it's odd.
1: I actually find, and I, Heidi, I'm sure you find this as well. Like it's just like patriarchal BS mm-hmm. that like fathers in a heteronormative couple are just treated like that's like the dumb old dad role and like They're like laughed at if they end up feeling queasy or lightheaded or need to sit down. Like I ask every partner in my like prenatals, how do you navigate medical spaces? Because is it better for you for me to be like, you look pale, please sit down. Do you like that? It's like I don't know why this is like treated like it's like com like a comedy. Like oh, he fainted while his wife was in labor. Like of course he did.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I have some right. tremendous pain when you're <laughs> becoming a father what an idiot feeling bad right oh, the and then mom's yelling like oh it's so funny I
1: felt like that like was projected onto Jess and like yeah. it's like fine <laughs> if it's like and I'm putting air quotes you won't see but like that's like okay when it's like dumb old dad but like it's not like treat partners with respect they have a really hard job on that day too
0: yeah Exactly. I will say that that is something that has evolved in my own practice over time. And if you guys aren't doing with this with Liz, it's just something I recommend is on the front page of your birth plan or write a letter that's like, hey, we're Katie and Jess. Here's some things that you need to know about. Katie, here's some things you need to know about Jess. Now here are our birth preferences. So that it's mm-hmm. written more like a conversation of inviting a relationship than uh, these are the demands that I want for my birth, or these are all about what Katie wants for her body, right? Versus like, okay, what role does Jess play in that? Mm-hmm. So starting with like, you know all of that documentation, so I re- my partners uh, really love the process. Whether they're in a same sex relationship or same gendered relationship or they're heteronormative couple, like that, there is that space for them for their doula to get to know them. With they have to take the same intake questionnaire that the birthing person does. And I had one other thing before we just dig into your birth story. Is you said the non bio parent, Jess. And it's so interesting because they, there is an assumption when a woman is pregnant that that baby is biologically hers, right? But I work right. with couples where the birthing person is not the bio sure. parent, you know? And, and that's never brought up or discussed. Like, if this was your egg, Right. Mm -hmm. If this was Ivy, if this was an IVF story and this was your egg, I mean, like, there's so many layers to it. I just wanted to, you know,
2: like, I feel like unless you're like in a heteronormative couple and it's, you know, mommy and daddy, if it's like, if it doesn't fit that picture, then like people can't wrap their heads around anything, (laughs) anything past exactly. Anything past that is like, that's weird. You know, we don't get that.
0: Yeah, I know. You guys know my story. (laughs) I mean, I just like when we go anywhere for like kindergarten first day, you know, it's like, oh, just wish I had a microphone behind me so that I could hear what they were saying when I walked out of the room, you know. (laughs) Yep. Here we are. We look very different than your family. We are open to any questions that you have about that. So, um, all right, well, let's dig into this birth story. So we kind of went through how all the whole process of how Lily came to be, right? (laughs) And then let's just pick up right there. So, Katie, I'm going to start with you. Like, how were you feeling through that first trimester, like when you found, I mean, we talked about how you found out you were pregnant, but like, how did you feel?
1: Um, I mean, emotionally, I felt great. I was so excited and we were so happy. Physically, I felt horrible until I was 16 <laughs> weeks pregnant. And then, I don't know, 16 weeks, a light switch came on. I felt absolutely amazing until I was 39 weeks pregnant. And then I was like, get out. But yeah, I had energy. I felt beautiful. Like, I loved my body changing. I loved feeling my baby move. Like, it was, I felt great. But I was really sick until I was 16 weeks.
0: Okay. What did you do for the sickness? (laughs) Crying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Felt sick. Um, Nothing, like, none of the things that, like, like I always feel jealous, and people are like, "Oh, I would just like pop a peppermint, and then I would feel better." And I was like, "Okay, um, like that, none of it didn't work. Peppermint, essential oils, which I love, nothing, nothing,
0: okay, nothing." Happened. Now, right now, you're 22 <laughs> weeks pregnant. Yeah. So, how was the first 16 weeks with Amelia? Worse. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was-
1: trying to conceive or to like, I don't mean to scare anybody, but, um, it, yeah, I, it was worse. I was more sick with Amelia than I was with Lily. And I had in my head, you know, I'm going to get to 16 weeks and it's all going to be fine, which is of course foolish, but that was what was going on in my head. Sure enough, 16 weeks comes and goes, I'm still vomiting daily. I'm still without energy. I'm still, you know, waking up with headaches, but, um,
2: I would say like somewhere in the middle of week 20, yeah, you, like, just turned a corner, like, maybe a week and a half, two weeks yeah. ago, and now you're, like, I think in that, I'm, I'm like, like, knocking nice, every piece like, of yeah. wood in our house, but you just, like, feel well. <laughs> right, and
1: of course, because, like, what's life without mom guilt, I'm, like, this is, I mean, almost 100% likely my last pregnancy, like, I want, like, I'm so, I I love being pregnant with Lily, and I don't, I'm not enjoying this pregnancy, I'm, I'm so guilty, that I'm not, and now... You know, of course, that's silly, but um, now I am able to enjoy it, which has been very
0: nice. Yes, and trust me, when they get to be six and seven, like mine are, like I, I literally don't really remember how I felt when I was pregnant, so it goes away. Those guilt feelings go away very quickly, and they're replaced with new guilt. You know, <laughs> new guilt feelings. Um. So, Katie, in the first trimester, you know, when you're watching your person. Not feeling good, like what did you really feel like? Is there anything just that you felt like you could do to help Katie?
2: No, and I it's something I struggled with it a lot to the point that I was like, I can't even tell her how much I'm struggling with it because she feels so sick. So, like, I would be and this, I mean, this literally just changed within the last week and a half. I would be very on edge and very irritable because there was nothing that I could do to help her. Uh, And you know, I would offer like can I do this for you? Can I do this for you? And like, it, it, and it wasn't like, no, it was just none of those things were helpful. Um, so yeah, no, there was like literally nothing I could do. And I would just always ask and make sure I was like present and could do what I had to do. But there was like nothing, nothing that worked at any suggestion. Be like, do you want a cup of water? Do you want this? You know, I don't know, a sucking candy. Do you want me to stand on my head? Like there was nothing that was working. So I felt very, very useless yeah this was a heck of trying she no did. no I know
1: anything you want I'll go get it for you I couldn't name a food that I wanted
2: well and <laughs> I remember the first time like she had a couple of things that like I knew if I was like can I, I'll go get you Panera for whatever reason like Panera really like was your jam the first time yeah She'd be like yeah go get me Panera so I was like hey babe how about Panera And she's just like I can't eat Panera like <laughs> you know just none of it so all of my old tricks just didn't They didn't work that well the first time, and they worked even worse the second
0: time. Yep. Okay. I interviewed on the podcast this guy, David Arrell, and he has a book called Welcome to Fatherhood. Like total opposite of the conversation that we're having here today, but so similar. He tells this story about how like he was trying, he was the stay-at-home dad, and he was trying really hard. His wife had this big job, and he was trying really hard. And so we cooked her favorite meal, and she walked in the door and was like, "Ugh, I can't smell it." You know, and he was like, he's over Katie's here very- like, "I'm trying," like- you know. Like- Like lit
2: a candle or something or put something in the diffuser I thought she would like, she'd be like, What what's that smell? Oh, I put the diffuser on. Oh, okay. Like, and
0: couldn't, you know, I was like, okay, she's gonna to draw. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's so hard. You know, it's so, it's so hard to be caring. It's so hard to support someone who's caring, you know? I mean, Katie even knows just as as like sometimes I'll be like doing a double hip squeeze and they're like, yes. And then the next one they're like, Ugh, get off of me, you know? And it's like, dang, I was really just trying to make you feel better, you know, on that one. <laughs> that- <laughs> um. Okay, so Jess, I have a, a question that I'm sure crosses all lines of just being a human and really doesn't have to do with anything about gender or sexuality, but every couple that I work with tends to answer this question differently. And so I'm wondering, did you feel like a mom the moment that you knew that there was a positive pregnancy test? No. Did you Katie? Yes. Okay. Isn't this interesting, right? When did that m- moment happen for you, Jess? Like when did you feel like a mom?
2: When I met Lily.
0: Okay. At delivery.
2: Like a couple of weeks and well, a couple of days into it. Like when we were home and we were together and I was like, okay, she's ours. This is like our little creature to raise. Got it. But like the focus was still like in the hospital, like helping Katie breastfeed and all of the things. So like, it was just a lot of, um, maybe busy works the wrong word for it, but like, it was a lot of busyness and like, let's make sure we check this box and does the car seat work? And this, that's like, until we had our home and I could really look at her and be like, Oh, it's funny. You look like me. Like I didn't feel like a mom until then.
0: Yep. I, most partners will answer that way. Most partners, just because they're like, you know, if I'm not feeling it, kick or a hey you know going on like lightning crotch it's you know (laughs) sometimes it's uh it's it's you know I just remember like when my partner told me that like I just really didn't feel like a parent until he like came out it wasn't real for me I was like oh I didn't know that (laughs) you know thought it was real for us the whole time you know um, and so that's something that's been interesting for me to explore with the the couples is, I think that's another component of it, Jess, is like, how do we bring partners in to make it f- feel more real prior to birthing time? If that's even I, possible. I don't know.
2: You know, like it's a physical thing. Like even with Amelia, like I'm already a mom, like Lily's my daughter, you know, like yeah. I know what it is to be mommy and yeah. Amelia obviously here and, and around, but it's, it's sort of like conceptual <laughs> until she's born
0: yeah yeah
2: I reckon pregnant pregnant I know what the process is like I know what it's going to be um and until I see her it's like yeah okay we're gonna have two kids yeah great
0: yeah I, I I get it I feel it so your first trimester sucks let's just say that and you feel terrible and then you said you felt pretty good until 39 weeks and you know, mm-hmm. Jess admittedly is like, I don't, I'm not so crunchy or whatever. And like, here you are, Katie, as the doula. What was your plan for this birth? Like, were you like, I want an epidural, I want a natural birth? Like, how, what were you thinking about and planning for the type of birth that you wanted?
1: So, like, my ideal that I was like striving for was an unmedicated, low intervention vaginal delivery. Okay, um, is what was achieved. I wouldn't say I had a perfect birth story, Um, but I think I was respected. And when we get into more of the birth story, like I can explain how. (laughs) Um, But Jess was, I mean, Jess was really supportive. She wasn't like, she wasn't like against me not wanting intervention in any way actually and like the more we talked about it she was like oh I see like why that's important to you I see why that seems and then like it's also like not my body (laughs) right right but like even like a couple of the books that I had been reading that I found really really helpful like I was like do you mind reading this one so you kind of know where we are like maybe be on the same page when we're in you know on the day and in the room and the language that I want used and Um, you did, of course, and she was a wonderful, wonderful birth partner. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Well, so how did you guys prepare? So what were those books? What were those courses? Like, what did you do to prepare for a low intervention birth?
1: I actually, (laughs) because I've been so into birth my whole life, I feel like I like went into pregnancy and, you know, ultimately birth with like a lot of background information but we had watched business of being born i had seen it when i was like 19 and then we watched it together um which is wonderful and if you are somebody who's wanting a low intervention birth or considering it um it's a great thing to watch because it has a lot of information in it um and then i don't know it's just like everybody reads that one hypnobirthing book that mongen method one mm-hmm. I didn't know anything like, I didn't know which were the popular ones. And on Audible, I saw this book called The Calm Birth Method. Um, Susie Asherwood or Ashwood? It was Asherwood? Asherwood. I'm actually listening to it now again. Oh, Ashworth. A-S-H-W-O-R-T-H. Okay. Um, The Calm Birth Method. I listened to it. That was the first birth book that I listened to um, when I was pregnant and every word of it resonated with me none of it felt far-fetched I loved it she opens it with like if you're looking for a book that's going to tell you to like whisper to your vagina like this is the wrong book for you and I was like so I was like laughing she's funny the birth stories are really interesting in there and she says like this is not a book about natural birth like all birth is natural and everybody's story is different it's how to feel empowered and calm through whatever path your birth takes and i loved that and i love it now and i just read the hypnobirthing manga method book and i did not like it <laughs> so yeah. uh this wasn't for me um you said so, it was very
2: like flowery and like it didn't was literally didn't say, like birth doesn't have to hurt like, yeah and they literally
1: said like exactly what doesn't work for me which is like we're using the the method, totally, and it just that doesn't work
2: for everybody, and I'm not one of those people, so. <laughs> um,
0: totally understand. I got an epidural when I was one centimeter dilated, y'all. So.
2: <laughs> I always joke with Katie that, like, if I was to carry a baby, which I have no interest in doing, I would be like, "Is Twilight? Is Twilight birth still a thing, or t- not- t- Twilight t- sleep? <laughs> knock right. me out, or you know, yeah, no attempt at anything other than that."
0: right that is that is a type of birth that's called general anesthesia <laughs> and right. you wake up four that's hours it. later with a baby oh. <laughs> so you're reading this one book is really <laughs> kind of resonating with you when did you hire liz so i met liz i went she's
1: um she does some private yoga classes and i met her through a friend and Um, We were both trying to conceive at the same time and ended up conceiving within four weeks of one another. But um, we went to, uh, we went to a fertility tailored yoga class that Liz was doing. And as soon as I met her, I was like, I can't have a baby without this person there. It was just like, you just knew, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I was like, I was very newly pregnant I think I was like five or six weeks pregnant and I like messaged her on Facebook and I was like hey I don't know how to do this, but I'm pregnant and I don't know I think I like would like to be my doula I don't know where to go from there, you know, um. And now I see that, like, people who are as awkward as I am when they like inquire for doula services,
0: it's like, normal. but. Because um, so. it's like dating, you know what I mean? It's like, I think I might wanna have you, but I'm not totally sure, you know? What is the going range for doulas in, in your area in, uh, in Long Island?
1: I would say 12 to 2000 would
0: be like an average. Okay. So, an inv- I mean, a pretty significant investment right mm-hmm. at 5 weeks to be like you know um yeah let's do this now was she like a doula like by trade or was she just like this calm peaceful presence yoga instructor that like knew how to doula
1: so she is a doula okay um, mommy of five and she is just like i don't know her whole presence she's such a special person, person and we've learned so much from her about everything not just Life. birth and- <laughs> she always says you know you learn with everyone and like so she's had every kind of birth too you know unmedicated medicated cesarean
2: like she has gone through all of it <laughs> she yep. was just yeah she's just great and she has no like preference like and I know that's sort of like the doula's roles to just like be supportive of whatever the birth person wants and the couple in general but like she doesn't even, there's no like bat of the eye at anything. Mm-hmm. Like you want medicated birth or you want to take medicine during your pregnancy. Like she doesn't, she just advises like, what's the healthiest thing you could do in the minute? You know, like she's a minute by minute kind of gal and it's, it's cool.
0: Yeah. Would you say Katie, that she's one of your mentors for being a doula now?
1: Oh my gosh. Totally. Awesome. Totally. She, I think she was like a huge inspiration for me you know, even moving forward with becoming
0: a doula. Awesome. So she gets into this process early. So you're Mm -hmm. five or six weeks along, you're going to this yoga class, you feel like shit, your second trimester hits. Like what are some of the things that both of you guys were doing to like prepare for Lily's birth?
1: We we (laughs) We didn't do childbirth education. We didn't do lactation education actually that was suggested to us by our doula because once she got to know me and kind of realized I was sort of type a and like I have like what I call (laughs) I've I've named good student syndrome where I don't like to get things wrong um she was like you can take a breastfeeding class because I asked her and she was like but you know they might tell you like these are the things that happen with breastfeeding and then when like something goes Sideways a little bit, like, or something works for you that they didn't explain in the class. If you might feel like you're like not doing something right and checking all the boxes, and like, why don't you just see what happens?
0: Yeah. Okay. You know,
1: um, and I think that was really great advice for me for who I am.
0: Yeah. You know. Yes. Check good student syndrome. Maybe like wait and have a private lactation consulting appointment after you give birth and your milk comes in (laughs) that kind of thing, um. (laughs) I had a question Hi. for you though, Jess. Were you gonna, did you have any intention to breastfeed to or feed at the breast with SNS? No. So all breast feeding responsibilities were gonna go to Katie. Okay. Yep. Okay. Just in case, you know, that is a thing, right? Like we can, yep. so a lot yep. of people don't know that. Right now, there's listeners that are like, what are you talking about, Heidi, right? Like, um,
2: uh-huh. It's just not who I feel like as a person, and it's not something I was interested
0: in in doing. Okay, good. Glad we clarified that up front. Just wanted to make sure I at least mentioned it in case there is a listener out there that's like, if your sex assigned at birth is female and you still have breast and breast tissue, you can produce milk even if you've never been pregnant. It's very yeah. interesting. So. That would be a whole different podcast. So, all right. So Katie was going to do feeding and you decided like, let's just have this conversation after we give birth. Okay. Now you have a doula, you've got this unmedicated plan and you said you hit 39 weeks and you were like, not feeling good again.
1: <laughs> I will say, you know what? I I misspoke before. I was 38 because I had Lily at 39 and one, um, but at 38 weeks. I remember I was like, I can't breathe. There's and I remember I was literally crying. I was like, there is if she gains one more ounce, there is no space left. There's nowhere for her to grow. I will explode. She'll my skin will rip open and she'll be born
2: through a hole in my skin. (laughs) Or as a person now, like that would be a good way for her to make an entrance. (laughs)
1: You know. That's like literally how I felt. And I everything like we would be on a walk and I'd be telling Jess the story and be like, Forget it. <laughs> I'll tell you later. <laughs> I get not talking anymore, you know?
0: Okay, so this happened for you at 38 weeks. Like, that was mm-hmm. your, like... I'm done. And it really usually is about a week to 10 days before your body naturally goes into labor, right? That we Mm -hmm. tend to hit this wall. Most people don't hit a wall four weeks before they go into labor. It's really kind of close where your body is. And I think it's primal. Like we start to shut down. So it tells us like, if you're like in the rice field working, you know, it's like, come home, get close Mm -hmm. to home, like you know get get to safety like the birthing time is about to happen so like so you're kind of in a foul mood you're like you know your body your lily's about to jump out of you were you like I you know you said you want un, low intervention so did you ever get to a point where you're like fuck it sweep my membranes and start an induction or did you just go into spontaneous labor <laughs>
1: I went into spontaneous labor. Um, we considered the membrane sweep. Um, I think I was given one without consent. Um, sorry. which happened a lot, <laughs> but so at 39 weeks, no, I had an appointment on Wednesday. Lily was born on Friday, 39 and one. So 38 and six, I had an appointment. Um, I was like, I was I was not like I remember when I was leaving. They were like, "Let's schedule your appointment for next week." And I was like, "I hope I don't make it." Like
0: <laughs> I was like yeah. so mad.
1: But um, we had my appointment. I was like talking to my doctor. I was like, "I just I'm ready. Like I'm done. I'm ready for the baby to be born." And she kind of said, "Like you know, well when we do," and I didn't know I could turn down cervical exams at the time. She was like, "You know, when we do the cervical exam, sometimes it." kind of gets things moving and now looking back like especially that morning (laughs) this is a funny story it's a birth podcast there's no TMI um yeah I put pants to bed and I was standing by my island in the kitchen I was eating a bowl of Cheerios and Jess goes why are your pants wet and I was like "Uh, I don't know but I'm not checking because my Cheerios will be soggy (laughs) if I if I go and look now um so I finished my cheerios with wet pants and turned out that it was just like some just like mucusy discharge like it was nothing too exciting but that day they I had the appointment I was like did my water break and they were like no your water absolutely didn't break it's like oh, okay so I'm just which we learned
2: would have like <laughs> what that actually looks like was would have been very silly of <laughs> your water we'll yeah. get we'll
1: get to that yeah um and then that evening. So that was Wednesday with the wet pants and the, you know, non consented membrane speed. Thursday morning, 2 AM, I woke up to pee and lost my mucus plug. And that was like two. And then at six, I woke up with like some cramping. And I think, you know, I think this might be it. (laughs) So I went into labor on at, at 39 weeks and then she was born the next day.
0: Okay. So I want the listeners to hear this progression, right? Like Mm -hmm. crankiness hit a wall. Okay. This is a signpost, right? Like Mm -hmm. mood changes. Then you have all of this gush of vaginal fluid and mucus, definitely a sign. Like, I mean, there could be so much vaginal fluid. It's unbelievable. So like your pants are wet, you've got vaginal fluid, they did a membrane sweep without your consent. So, like let's just make sure everyone knows there's no reason for a vaginal exam ever, especially when you're just pregnant and not in labor. Right? Like there's a couple in labor fine if you're birthing at a hospital, we we talked about on the show, but like really there's no reason to do a, a, a cervical exam ever in my opinion because often they you know, violate you. I mean, I think it's like assault, right? Like assault on my cervix when it happened to me too. And I had been a dual for a long time and it still happened. But like that's assault on our bodies when something is done without our consent. It's called obstetrical violence. It was done. It releases prostaglandins though. And sometimes you go into labor, you know. So progression, right? Were you having frequent bowel movements? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, pooping a lot?
1: There are a few emergencies on the
2: way <laughs> home. I was like, we need to get home. She was, yeah. like, an attempt to run home, but she was huge. <laughs> I'm like, like, trying
1: not to diarrhea on my pants. <laughs> I'm
0: like, how do I get home? <laughs> yep. Okay. So, this sounds like a very typical, like, progression of, like, that early first stage of labor. And then your mucus plug drops out while you go pee. Um, and then the cramping begins. When did you call Liz?
1: I texted her that morning. I was like, here's what's going on. Um, you know, lost my mucus plug. I think I'm having contractions. They seem like it's like nothing like they're 30 minutes apart at this point And they're lasting like 10 seconds. So she was like, okay, don't pay attention to them. You know, turn the don't turn a tracker on. Don't just go about your, your day. And when part of, a huge part of our, our birth preferences was that when I was in labor, we were not telling anybody, including my parents, everyone knew, you will find out when baby is born. You will not find out when I'm in labor. You will not find out when we
2: leave to go to the hospital. You know, we had one plan to alert a friend at a certain point in time to let the dog out.
1: Right. Okay. Um, But right in so
2: lily's birthday is october
1: 25th on october 1st of the same year my mother was in a horrible car accident and um was hospitalized for over a week was you know she had surgery broken pelvis broken ribs broken you know she was really needing a lot of help and it was giving me something to do you know it was like go over and do my mom's laundry or cook meal for my parents whatever and um i hadn't seen them on wednesday because we had that appointment so that Thursday, when I knew I was in labor, I was like, "I have to go see my mom because the baby's probably gonna, I'm probably gonna be in labor tonight and then into tomorrow." And um, so I went to my mom's house and did laundry and chatted with my parents, had a cup of tea, like like nothing was going on. They're still pissed about. <laughs> They're it. still mad. My mom will be like, "Dude, I knew it! I knew <laughs> it!" I knew it.
0: <laughs> and you were having contractions what every seven to ten minutes.
1: Yeah, they were really spaced out in the beginning. I would even say like maybe a little bit longer than 10 minutes. I had a very, it was like a slow and steady start. Okay. (laughs) So my first, you know, I came home, Jess and I took a walk and I tried to sleep, but I was so excited. You know, know, you're so excited when you're in labor. And um, around seven-ish, we had gotten dinner. We ordered Italian and I was drinking, I was having tortellini soup on the couch and that was the first I was like literally going in for a spoonful. it was like the first contraction I had to like think about I almost spilled my whole bowl of soup on myself and I was like you know I had to like think about it Liz knew everything we were keeping her you know keeping her updated I was like I want to shave I want to do my hair you know you want to feel like a little bit like yourself and um we were watching like The Office and then around 11 I was like yeah I think I could use a we'll little help another you know I could get confused you coming here and now I called her too early I got to the hospital too early like I I know these things about myself but um she came we watched the movie Sisters <laughs> which because I wanted to keep laughing that was something that book had said like keep laughing keep your oxytocin keep your endorphins like and I was like okay we'll watch like that movie so funny like it'll make me and it did yeah. it made me- yeah and
0: And Liz stayed she did oh she's She's, an angel from heaven
2: Liz Liz is literally like angel heaven sent person she's also (laughs) a friend
0: yeah so like
2: her tolerance level for who we are as humans is probably higher than like somebody you don't have a friendship
0: connection (laughs) with you know
2: she was happy to like bring her 7-Eleven coffee, sit down on the couch and watch Sisters for, you know, an hour and a half with us <laughs> while we were like, are we going to have a baby or no? You know, like, she was cool with it. Yeah. She was, still on- so she was like, yeah, I'll get out of the house for a little bit. No
0: problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Katie, you know how it is as a doula, right? I mean, <laughs> I do have those couples where I'm like, I'm going whenever they call me because I want to spend the whole day with them, you know? Yeah. Like, they're so, I mean, there are some couples that are just so Fun. I did just have this story happened and, you know, I have a work partner Colin, And so we have to keep each other in check. And, um, but same sex couple, I, Shantanam and Lana, and I adored them. And she called me so early and I knew it and I FaceTimed her and I was like, oh gosh, but I just wanted to be with them. I just wanted <laughs> to spend the night, then like evening with them. And they were so fun and so funny. And, You know, so sometimes you have that relationship and then other times I have that relationship and you just can't do it. You know what I mean? Because life happens. But I love it. So Liz is at your house watching this movie with you and you're like in very early labor still.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was I was having contractions probably every five minutes. I was breathing through everything. I would just kind of go into myself and then I was coming back out and chatting and you know, whatever. And, um, a few times, like I was really comfortable on the yoga ball or an Island in my kitchen. I was like leaning over the Island and Liz was rubbing my back. And, um, that was really nice. And around 2 AM, I was like, I think I'm feeling ready. Like I would like to go to the hospital and she was like okay she's like they're gonna make you lay down for a while so why don't you take a walk before we go just kind of moving a little bit let's get the baby moving down um so we're walking around 2 a.m it was a cold pretty cold cold. night and (laughs) she's like three and she's like doing like a standing hug with us with Mm me when I'm having traction we were like joking that like anybody with a ring doorbell you know it's, it's like what, probably yeah, like happening. what is happening in the front yard yes. <laughs> like, are these three people hugging at 2am like taking a walk <laughs> we really love each other yeah. that's so nice <laughs> um so we came back I think I had a cup of tea yeah
2: you did
1: uh, red raspberry leaf tea and then I um it was like I would like to go so we get ready to go to the hospital of course there's no traffic it's the middle of the night and um we're driving. Liz was behind us, and this is Katie Luck. I have comically poor luck. Very bad. Okay. <laughs> we a cop. We see a cop. Lights turning on, and Liz gets pulled over. So I'm like, Jess. Liz just texted me. She had just texted me, "How are you doing?" I was like, "The cop has to be pulling her over because she saw her texting," and <laughs> and Jess is like, "Oh, she has a headlight out. Maybe it's the headlight." And Jess is like, do we, do we stop? And I was like, no. Oh, (laughs) I'm like, yes. (laughs) I'm like, of
0: course you do. You go save your doula from the cop.
1: So we're like laughing about this. And we're like, you know, we get into the hospital, we do all this, you know, admission paperwork, which is such garbage. And we're like, I don't know where Liz is. We're like, you know, we get up to L and D and she's, already there you know, she's like, hey guys. <laughs> the cop was a woman and was like knew what a doula was and she had pulled Liz over because she was like it's 2am why are you following the only other car on the road so closely
0: oh okay gotcha
1: well that's my client she's in labor and the cop was like okay bye like go <laughs> faster than you
2: know, you've ever driven no <laughs>
1: Um, so that all worked out. And then
0: And then she beat you there though. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> well, we had to like sign in and everything, and she just went right up. But it was pre-COVID, so they weren't like
0: right, Liz didn't
1: have to like get a test or get trained <laughs> or any of that stuff. Like she could just go up.
0: Yeah. Right? Okay. So she's waiting there for you.
1: Yep. They bring us to a triage room, which is where my body completely shut down. <laughs> um I was having very active contractions. They were lasting a minute plus, and we got into triage, which is horrible at the hospital that I had Lily at. It's curtained off. You're usually with three to four other people. And one of the women in the room, if there were others, I don't know, but they're like, okay, change your clothes. So I'm trying to get changed. And this poor woman who was in the room with me is screaming that she's dying. She's vomiting. I can't do this. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And I started, my whole body started shaking. My contractions completely stopped. I think I undilated. Like I literally think my body was like, it is not safe to have a baby, <laughs> clearly. And I I remember I was taking my leggings off and I felt a little trickle of water down my leg. So I think my water just broke. And I went to the nurse in the triage room and I said, I have to leave. I can't, like, I can't stay in this room. And Liz and Jess were you know helping me facilitate that c- conversation and again pre-COVID I was able to walk into in the hallway until they got me into a different triage room where it was like an induction and an epidural and it was very calm.
0: So hold on okay, we have to stop right here because I'm yeah. very confused. Because okay. I live in a city where it's all private. Mm-hmm. That like, must be nice. Like I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you go to triage and it's a closed it's just a, like a little bedroom and it's like you know me as the doula the nurse and then the the per, the birthing person or the couple
1: mm-hmm.
0: like, like so you're saying there's like like other people in the middle of an epidural and an induction in the same room yeah yeah like partitioned that- by curtains
1: literally by curtains I have had clients at this hospital trying to like be in other positions besides on their back on a bed and like they're up against a curtain like rubbing elbows with like the birth partner in the next
2: area why it literally looks like like a refugee tended area it's, is what it looks like this is horrible it's largely
1: why we changed
2: first of all we needed I, we wanted the support of midwives but
1: We did not, I didn't want to have that experience again. We were in triage for a long time before we were moved. Yeah, Yeah. most of
2: it.
0: Okay. So I do know there's one hospital where I am that has like a a group triage. And prior to COVID, it was like real quick. Like they would just send you in, do a 20 minute non-stress test, like check your, like in and out in 20 minutes. But now- they're not letting the doula go to triage. They're not letting the partner go to triage. And they're keeping the birthing person there for four hours, six hours all alone. That's
1: crazy. So four hours, six hours sounds like a vacation from the triage amount of time that we spent. So. That's true. <laughs> at least you weren't alone. Right.
0: Thank oh God. my God. Okay, this is crazy. But I wanna say that out loud because look at y'all are in Long Island. I just said, y'all, I'm like, uh, y'all, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Is that so funny? I never say that, but like you guys are in Long Island. I am in Charlotte, North Carolina, and people that are listening need to ask, you need to ask, right? Like, what does triage look like? Am I ever going to be separated from my um, people? And um, am I ever going to be alone? You know, and by alone I mean with medical personnel without someone to protect me. Like ask these questions, you know, and if the answer is yes to any of them, fucking run to mm-hmm. a different birthing location.
1: We did the tour, you know. Again, pre-COVID, we were we went on this tour. We were never shown the triage. Yeah. This is where you come in. You check in here, and then you go to your labor and delivery room. We were not told about this other part of this you know at all so this was this this was really a surprise (laughs) and I will say the L&D rooms are not even that nice there like they don't have showers they don't have the ball like they don't have a lot of the things but at least they look presentable and they don't are not you know sectioned off with curtain
0: oh my god so literally how long were you guys in there for
1: we checked in when we got into the, the next triage room and I was checked. It was 3 a.m. And we got into our L&D room. 4 p.m.
0: I'm dying right now.
1: <laughs> and I wasn't even technically next. Like I wasn't next on the like you get a room list. But I was unmedicated and my nurse was A fucking angel. Yeah, she was amazing. So,
0: um, she like bumped me up. Okay, she kept like thirteen hours in triage. Why? Like, I hate to say this, but like, why didn't you go home?
1: I we oh because my water had broken.
0: Okay, so So because your water had broken, they then wanted to keep you. Okay. I know that you're a doula and, you know, all of these things now, but I, for the other people listening to this podcast that don't know, there's a form called AMA against medical advice and you sign that shit and you go home and mm-hmm. it says, "I uh, against medical advice, because my water is broken, I am going to go home. But it is hard though, because once your water is broken, labor could progress really quickly and you also don't want to have a baby in the car, you know, I was also- you were what?
1: I was four and a half at my first cervical check.
0: When I got really, mm-hmm. that's so far.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so I don't think they were like super into
0: wanting to. Oh my all. gosh, I have no idea. Like I'm starting to sweat. I have no idea like how this is going to unfold. But is Liz still with you? Because oh, now yes. it's been. Did Liz she sleep
2: didn't, until the baby was born? Mm-hmm. Until Lily was born, Liz stayed.
0: Did she sleep at all?
2: Uh. No, neither of us did. No. Kate, we, we like encouraged Katie to sleep, but we just sort of like dicked around for like 24 hours being
0: many okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh.
2: 11 p.m.
1: and Lily was born at 7 p.m. the next day. So she was almost with us for a full day.
0: Okay, so now this is gonna make more sense to me. So you get into that room at 4 p.m. and you deliver at 7 p.m. So you're only in your birthing suite for three hours. Okay, so the majority of your labor is done in a triage room, shared with other people. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. One shared bathroom, too. In One room. shared bathroom between three women in labor.
0: I can't. I can't even Jeez. handle it. I, I just. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable. I
2: the bathroom in that room because we're like we don't want to take up space from these people in labor so like we would find whatever bathroom was available in the hallway like okay I'll go downstairs you go upstairs like because (laughs) what we're going to take up space when like all of a sudden Katie's like I have to go like no you know we had to get out of there
0: oh my god so you're four and a half centimeters dilated you are having contractions every what two to three minutes
1: yeah yeah, they were on top of, they were, they were quick, you know. Um, I was, got into the new triage room. I was given a cervical check. I was on my back. I said, I want the wireless monitor. Don't put the bands on me. They gave, um, they, I had the wireless, which was great. It didn't bother me whatsoever the entire time I was in labor. But, um, and then I said, you know, I had felt the trickle when I was changing. All of a sudden, my water, broke and I like flooded labor and delivery. So I'm in a bed that, you know, a plastic or rubber mattress, whatever it is in hospitals. And I am like, and I'm on my back and I'm like, excuse me, my water broke. And the nurse was like, okay. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. (laughs)
0: Like
1: my, I had a blanket on too. My water broke. I was like, I need I need new everything. Like I need a new gown. I need new sheets. Like I'm like, and again, now I have like good student syndrome. So I'm like, I'm sorry, but there's amniotic fluid in my socks, you know? (laughs) And she's like, okay, like, don't worry. Like, we'll get it for you. And I was like, I really want you to understand that there's so much water. She goes to take my blanket off and the water goes, (laughs) splashes onto the floor. And she goes, oh, and I,
2: was we to it was a lot it all came out at once wow um, so yeah she so, deserved it though she was nasty she
1: she was and my is like oh you have a really good nurse like she was trying to make me feel better so she, that was like 3 a.m and then 7 a.m shift change god bless her this woman comes on 35 years experience labor and delivery nurse she's like you're not, you don't want an epidural. I was like, no, please don't talk to me about an epidural again. Like I will ask for it if I need it. And she was like, okay. And she was excited. She was on my team. Let me show you where you can walk. I'm walking around. She's like talking to her friends. She's like, here's my patient, seven centimeters, no epi. (laughs) Like she was so excited.
2: She was amazing. Yeah,
1: she really, I mean, without her.
2: It would have been a different day.
1: I've been in that hospital many times now. And seeing how hard they push for everybody to be on their back the entire time they're in labor, I would have had a totally different birth
2: story without her. You've never seen her, right? Like, you've never... I've never wondered if she retired. She She was older. I wonder if she's retired since then.
0: This makes me feel really thankful for where I work, you guys. Or maybe it's that we've worked so hard over the years to, like, change policy. But I'm like... I mean, I feel like they know. Like, don't you even try to get my client on their back. You know? Like, (laughs) sorry. You know, I mean, oh, I just but okay, so you're seven centimeters.
1: Yeah, I mean this was now later later on. But yeah. So I had been laboring in the room. Um I had one small moment of really bad doubt when somebody came in and it was kind of like on top of one person being like Oh, when I had my kids, I had my Epi's before I was even in labor. And then like somebody checked me and she was like, Oh, you're, you're four and a half, maybe five. And I had been that when I got in, it was hours later. And I was like, I remember I went to the bathroom. I just broke down crying. Cause I was so tired. Yeah. And I, I was like, I'm not going to have enough energy to push the baby out. I'm so tired. And like Liz came in and she was like, everyone's cervical checks are different.
0: you know, Mm -hmm.
1: she said you're four and a half, maybe five. She's like, you could be checked by another person. And they would tell you that you're five and a half, six, you know, like it's everybody's hands are different. And like the way that she was like, she like really helped me calm down, just helped me calm down. She was already doing it. Like, this is already the work, you know? And, um, from that point on, I kind of like just slept between contractions, like sitting up on the bed, like that okay. was really comfortable for me, and I would just like put my head on just and then Liz and then just and <laughs> then Liz. Okay. And yeah, so that's how I got you know further along. So finally, four p.m. rolls along. Our nurse is fighting for us. She's like, "You guys are going in next to your room." Like, thank God we get in there. That's when I was like seven and a like half. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. April, I was seven and a half, eight, and she was like. You know, peanut ball this
2: that and like she went on a break and then she didn't go on a break. She just had she had other patients and she and this like we were talking about before we got on with you, Katie's like there's a point in this story where I don't, I don't need remember. you to just jump in because I yeah. don't think it's fair. So uh, you know. Her name was Carolyn, yes. And Carolyn had other patients, uh, but she was spending so much time with us because she was so interested in like us as a couple, Katie being unmedicated. She loved that we had a doula. Like, she just wanted to hang with us, kind of like you were saying before, Like there's some people you just wanna hang out with, um, that she had to go like make her rounds. So she went to go make her rounds. Um, during that time, there was a, a PA who came in who checked Katie um well I felt like I had to push right yeah 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 Katie felt like she had to push oh and well and I think like even more than that our doctor who is well she's not a doctor anymore she's really a lovely woman we're not leaving the practice because of her she's wonderful um she was not in the building which is not like atypical however she had like lost her cell phone in Brooklyn where her other office is so she was in the midst of driving to Brooklyn to come back so like while Katie was like I feel like I have to push they were sort of like staving us off because the doctor wasn't there yet so Katie got checked by some PA and like the woman was like wow well, you're like eight and a half maybe nine but there's like a little lip and she kept like talking about like this little lip I can't do it there's this little lip you can't push it you can't you're you not with you can't. Lip. You're right you're nine with a lip, a lip. and like we asked to be checked again. She checked again, same thing. This was like almost an hour later now. And obviously, things had been progressing. Like Liz kept saying to me, because she knows, like, I'm a Neanderthal. She's like, this is what active labor looks like, dummy. Like, you're going to have a baby soon. Um, and eventually, like, Katie was like, I need them to check me again. I do not want that person back in this room. So Liz said to me, she's like, all right, Mama Bear, like, this is your time to shine. Like, this is what you're good at, you know you bowl in a china shop, go tell them like, she's not welcome back in this room. So I went up to Carol and I found her on her rounds. And I was like, Hey, listen, like, Katie definitely needs to push. That woman is not welcome back in the room. I need you to fix that. Uh, and I was like, she is going to have this baby. And she was like, okay, we'll come in. We'll check whatever. She's like, you know, the doctor's not here. Uh, and I said to her, I was like, well, I don't, I don't really know what to do about that. And she said to me, like, wink, wink, she's like, if you're comfortable with me delivering this baby, I'm comfortable delivering this baby. Good for her. And I said, I am 100% comfortable with you delivering this baby, and I speak on behalf of my wife, too. We're fine with that. They come in, uh, a new PA comes in to check us. Carolyn, like, handpicked another person to come in. Turns out this woman used to be a doula. uh, Wow. And I was
1: on... um, Oh, right. We right, had right. the bed, yeah. we had the bed in like a throne position. So I was kneeling and like holding the back of the chair. And Jess, Liz had shown her like how to press on my back. So Jess was pressing on my back. And like this woman walks in and she's like, Oh, is that your doula? And I was like, No, that's my wife, like my doula. That's over my doula. There. I think Liz was actually
2: in the bathroom. Liz came out. We're like, no, no, no that's our doula. <laughs> but so she came in, she checked Katie and she was like, Oh my God. Like she's like, you can no have, time. Ready to have, Let's have the baby. So Carolyn's like prepping the room. We're all getting ready. Like I grab one leg, Liz grabs the other, like Katie's starting to push. And then all of a sudden the doctor shows up and she's like, you know, okay, scrubbed up. She was there for what? Maybe 10 minutes of it. Well, yeah, I started
1: pushing at six and I started squatting, but I was so tired and I was blacking out when I was pushing. Yeah. So I had to lay down and I remember saying like, I can't see, I can't see. And the nurse was so nice that the nurse, or whoever checked me, the PA or whatever, she was yeah. like, oh, I'll, I'll get you a mirror. And I was like, no, I like, I physically can't see. And like, I remember them being like, you're on a bed. If you black out, you're, you're on a bed, you're safe. Like oh, it's mother. fine. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And um, Carolyn, the nurse was like, okay like at 6.20, I go off shift at seven, I'm seeing this baby. She's like, I've been with you all day, I'm seeing this baby. baby. And I was like, <laughs> um, I will say like, I, my pushing stage was not my favorite part, not because it was worse than anything like physically, but again, not knowing what I didn't know, it just became too busy in the room. It was like too bright, too loud, too many people, like too many coaches. Um, it was just, a, I was very overstimulated and I began feeling again, the student syndrome that everybody was waiting around and nothing was happening. Like I was doing something that was taking too long. Mm-hmm. I was like looking at the monitor, waiting for the next contraction. Cause I was like, everybody's waiting for me to push. Like I don't have to push right now. Now, of course, knowing not every contraction is a pushing contraction, you know? Yeah. Um, so pushing, 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 doctor walked in halfway through the, the hour that i pushed and um she started giving me lidocaine shots and liz said to me she's giving you lidocaine shots like i think she wants to give you an episiotomy and the doctor was like i i think that you need one and i remember looking at jess just looking at liz and liz being like yeah
2: like liz being like yes this is <laughs> that's what's necessary <laughs> it's legitimate like okay uh, to doctor's credit and she's not like a super warm person, but she is free. She did take a minute to like show me and explain, like, see like here's the head, like it's not gonna it's just it's a bad position. And like we all sort of like confirmed and like when Liz was like, Yes, I think that's the right move, we all kind of said, Okay.
1: Yeah. And had I been, you know, had I been upright or had I been able to squat or be in a different position, maybe I wouldn't have needed it. But I think I could I would still be pushing if I yeah. <laughs> if I had it. Yeah. And That she did the cut, and the Lily was (laughs) born. (laughs) Flew out, (laughs) head, shoulders, knees, and toes all at once (laughs) on the next cut.
0: Oh my gosh! Okay, now when they you say they did the cut, though, people think an episiotomy is like where they cut your perineum all the way to your rectum. A cut can just be a tiny release, like literally a half an inch cut. And it was;
1: it wasn't straight. It was to the side. Yeah. And. I mean,
0: it was, she flew out. out, Yeah. So So it was like a pressure release, you know, Uh just like a little, so the episiotomies that I've seen are just a tiny little cut. People think like, oh, I'm going to get sliced and rip open. And I've never seen that. It sounds like you just had just what I've seen, which is they're, they kind of help you out a little bit. Like you're about to tear anyway. So sometimes a little cut can reduce tearing. And the baby comes out pretty quickly, you know? So did Lily have a cord wrap or anything like that or just fly right out?
1: Yeah, no nucle. She had nothing. She came out right away. And then um, what was really, really important on our birth preferences, because I felt like I had carried her all that time, was we wanted her first to be placed on Jess's chest. Okay. Jess had a button down shirt on and she got into bed next to me and they put the baby on Jess. Okay. And I think it was probably less than 10 minutes later, (laughs) my, they were waiting for my placenta and I wasn't feeling anything. And my doctor, it was just unexpected. I mean, she was right. It's very good advice to try to get a placenta moving, but it was just unexpected. She's like, do you mind massaging your nipple for me? And I was like, um, Like, I'm, like, looking at my beautiful baby, like, who's, like, sitting on my wife's desk. I'm, like, okay. And then my doula was, like, why don't we see if she wants to latch? Like, instead of you doing that manually, why don't we just her the baby? And she did. She latched right away. And I think my placenta was, like...
2: Was right out right out after and, after and carolyn her. got to see the baby she was yes. 704 so she hung on four minutes after <laughs> her time and she was like i'm seeing this baby she's coming out at 704 she got to see her
0: yes right at shift change way to go right. katie <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i love it okay
2: my
1: bleeding was okay so they never like i didn't get a, a pitocin injection or anything Okay, they I think it was just you know, it's a hospital. So you are on a little bit more of a clock. And it was like, they do like the placenta to come out within the first 30 minutes. Yeah. So it was like, 10, and they were like, I mean, if it was even 10, I minutes, even think it was 10 minutes, 10 yeah, minutes was,
0: doesn't sound very long. So we don't cut the cord here until the cord completely stops pulsating.
2: They, they didn't delay it long enough. And I wasn't educated enough to be like, well, hold on. And Katie had just pushed a baby out. So she wasn't, you know, And like, you know, Liz was helping Katie. So I was like, oh, okay, sure. Like, I didn't know. So I mean, this time I think we'll, now, you know, through education, I'll I'll wait a little longer. You know, we delayed probably more than some, but not as much as we would have.
0: Our hospitals here define it as 30 to 45 seconds. And I'm like, well, I define it as until there's no pulse in the cord anymore. So Jess, this time, grab the cord, grab Amelia's cord and feel the pulse it'll be just like in your neck right here. So just grab it and feel it. And just out of curiosity, this is how I always get away. I mean, they now all the providers know what I'm doing, but I'm like, I am just would love to feel the, I'll put a glove on and I'm like, I would love to feel the cord pulsing since they want it to stop pulsating. I'm like, can I just see what the cord feels like pulsating? <laughs> whatever I mean but it is kind of cool I mean you guys now for Amelia right like you're with midwives and you're in a different location so you're probably not gonna have to fight as much for these things but if or Katie too like either of you just grab grab the cord and feel the pulse and check it mm-hmm. and say like we're not cutting this cord until we fe- we confirm that we don't feel a pulse either. Um, a lot of times the core doesn't stop pulsating for 15 minutes, you know? And mm-hmm. of course the placenta doesn't come out until 20 minutes or so. So 10 minutes, that's, but they did, sounds like I kind of like your doctor though, that she's like, rub your yeah. nipples, latch, like, right. it, and wasn't pushing Pitocin on you and in different medical interventions, which is amazing. <laughs> I
1: mean, and I actually think that, doctor like, our doctor not being in the room not being in the hospital at all helped yeah not like I was never offered Pitocin I was never off like I think outside of that one time I was never at, offered an epidural well
2: once Carolyn came on it, she really ran the show yeah. you know wow. because our doctor was building the nurse ran the entire day and she wanted to support Katie and she was excited about you know an unmedicated birth and like she didn't offer anything when she heard this is what we're doing. She's like, that's what we're doing. Great. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. So all three of you guys have not slept for almost 24 hours then, right?
1: Oh, up for probably 36 More. hours. Yeah. I, from 2 a.m. when I lost my new Facebook, we were so excited. We yeah. were like, you know, we were basically didn't sleep. And then once I woke up at six with the contractions on that that Thursday morning.
0: Yeah, there was no sleep. So this is where I have a partner question for you, Jess. (laughs) So this, like someone has to take care of the baby and everyone wants to go to bed. So who, who took Lily first? Who slept first? That's what I want to know. Who slept first?
2: In the hospital first night, because we did not know what we did not know. Uh, I came home, we have a dog. I came home to let him out and kind of do all that stuff. Um, we were like, okay, it's better if we like divide and conquer in this situation. You rest here, I rest here. Like, we didn't know what we didn't know. I will say, and my friends have made fun of me for this now for almost two years. I I was a mess when I got home. I was so <laughs> fucking tired. And like, we hadn't eaten, That I grabbed a piece of bread when I came home and I started crying and I was like, I can't eat it and i was home by myself i'm like screaming this to myself and then i fell asleep like cuddling my keys so like you're delirious you know so uh in terms of who helped anybody the answer is not me i barely <laughs> helped myself so uh i did not help kitty i did not help lily and the night, ne- although i did the next morning bring bagels and mm-hmm. then that night i did get you sushi you know? so uh yes. But yeah, I didn't stay at all. And this time, I'll uh, this time I'll stay. You know, at least definitely the first night. You know, obviously with Lily, it's a little bit, it's just different. But we have my in laws right here. We have my you know best friend who's her godfather, and um, our other best friend who's Amelia's godmother. And you know, we have more more knowledge. So a long answer to your question is, I was very unhelpful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think you were very helpful for thirty six hours, and then we all have a point of. You know, we all have a wall. And I will say, Katie, you probably remember, right? Our bodies give us this thing that we need when you're the birthing person. You get this, like, some surges of energy that are, like, Uh, supersonic, you know, that you're like, how could I, you're watching everyone around you drop like flies. (laughs) And yet the birthing person just keeps going and just keeps going, you know? And I just think that's just a lot of the chemicals and stuff like that. Okay. Katie and Jess, before we go, we're going to talk about your favorite baby product. And, but before we get to that, I just want you to summarize like from the birth with Lily and now For preparing for Amelia, you know, what are some of the key changes that you've made and are making now that you're a doula and you're kind of veteran parents?
1: Um, I don't know if we're veteran parents. We're learning on the go like everybody else. But um, (laughs) as far as like birth specific, you know, we've done it once before. So we're looking at it from a different angle. Um, Definitely the switch from OB, like providership to midwifery care has been a big one um keeping our same doula who was so so supportive through everything with the first um and just feeling like a little bit less pressure on everything you know birth is so unpredictable you can't like (laughs) you can't really plan for it you can learn all about what you can learn about but um not putting so much pressure on ourselves about like a certain picture
0: feels (laughs) <laughs> and then is the, your birthing location closer this time
2: it is further away okay. <laughs> oh, no. like we're talking like a 10 minute difference it's not like a huge difference yeah okay. I think
1: we'll wait longer yeah to go this time for okay. sure
0: gotcha you think you never know though right like those second babies sometimes can fly right out right <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've loved having you guys on for both segments of like really talking about the dynamic of being a same sex couple, like and what that fertility journey looks like and like all the politics and just, I mean, that was really informative in your last episode and then really what a cool birth story, but I'm, I'm still kind of a little angry about this triage thing. So I'm going to have to simmer about that for the rest of the day. Um, (laughs) What, I'm going to ask this question to both of you guys. What's your favorite baby product that really helped you, um, that you definitely want to make sure you have on board for Amelia?
1: Um, well, something we didn't have with Lily that we will have for Amelia. And I don't know if you count this as a baby product as a postpartum doula. Um,
0: 100%. Yep.
1: (laughs) Um, and then like, I would say I'm, like, borderline crunchy, and the least crunchy thing about my parenting was the Owlet monitor that, like, checks your baby's breathing and pulse rate. If we did not have that with Lily, I would not have slept the entire first year.
2: I think it's important to know that Lily is napping right now, and I'm looking at Katie's phone, and the Owlet monitor is open right now. She's not wearing the pulse sock. No, but she's... we're <laughs> currently staring at her while yeah. we do this, so...
0: Amazing. Uh, Yes. Okay. So you guys like, so are you in agreement, Jess, or is there something else that you really like too?
2: No, I think it's the outlet. That was just like a good, it was a good peace of mind, not even for me, but to know that like Katie was taking time to rest because of this thing was very helpful. And I just like looking at her when she's sleeping because she's cute. So like, you know, I get to look at Lily all night and Katie's sleeping and you know, it all works out.
0: And is Liz your postpartum doula or do you have someone else?
1: Um, No, Liz doesn't work postpartum. She's only doing birth. Um, We have a wonderful postpartum. She's a birth and postpartum doula. Her name is and from Moments to Breathe is our postpartum doula.
0: Okay, excellent. Well, I'll link to all of it in the show notes. So thank you guys for taking the time during nap time to like (laughs) step away and record these two episodes. And I just appreciate you guys being on. And um, that's a wrap. Thank you for being part of the birth story family and listening to this episode. On Tuesdays every week, our doula diaries, little snippets and tidbits from my week, along with some teaching and education. And then on Thursdays, we meet here for our birth stories and our expert speakers. So thank you for being here and listening to the podcast twice a week. And if you are left wanting more, like Heidi, I've listened to all the episodes, I've read your entire book, then I hope you will meet me in Birth Story Academy and let me be your online childbirth educator to prepare you for your hospital birth, no matter what that looks like. Thank you for listening to Birth Story.